Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the Amazon Prime original series, The Boys. So we are going to be spoiling all of season one and through season four of episode, sorry, through episode four of season two. Sorry, guys. Um, So just fair warning there that if you aren't caught up, um, if you've never watched The Boys before, it's probably a good idea not to listen to this episode until you have, because you don't want to be spoiled at all uh, with this show, I think. Um, but before we get into that, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. As always, you can now support our show for n- as little as 99 cents a month. Uh, just click the link in our show notes or go to our anchor page and click le- listener support. And now through October 1st, 100% of what we see from that and from the one ad we have, and that's the Anchor ad because we are, of course, airing other ads that have to do with voting and all of that stuff. That's totally different. That's charity stuff. But um, but everything from the Anchor ad will be going to various Black Lives Matter organizations through October 1st. And on October 1st, in the evening of October 1st, I'm going to do a Facebook Live just showing which organizations that's going to just to be totally upfront and transparent about that. And then after that, a portion of what we see will still continue to go to black lives matter organizations. I'm just going to figure that out and then, you know, I'll let everybody know. So keep an ear and an eye out for that. Okay. So let's go around and everybody can introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture that they're excited about right now. Start with you, Judy. Hi, I'm Judy, and right now I am re-obsessing about my favorite fanfic ever. Um, it It is one of these big, long series. Uh, uh, it's four books so far, and um, it's it's been a work in progress that hadn't been updated in like four years. And so I thought, oh, that's all we're going to get. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, two new chapters show up. So now I have to go back and reread almost a million words <laughs> of my favorite Supernatural uh, fanfic. It's called Down to Agincourt, and I totally recommend it to everybody. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that on our fanfic episode, which oh. is one of our most popular episodes. So, yeah, I remember that. And, yeah, and and now that you say that, you know, I have a work in progress that I haven't updated in over a year. So maybe someday I'll <laughs> That I have one that hasn't been updated in four I know, that's, years. That's, yeah, I know. I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. There was one that I was following because I like I like Dean and Donna. I ship them. And um, there was one that hadn't been updated in forever. And I was like, oh, she's never coming back to this. It just seemed pretty apparent that she had kind of moved on to something else. And then out of the blue, just in the last couple of months, she started updating it. So and it's a really good um, alternate universe uh story so yeah yeah that so that's always exciting isn't that a beautiful thing yes (laughs) and tiffany hi i'm tiffany and right now i have been kind of obsessively watching um documentaries on pbs on their app 
I just, I mean, I started with one and then now it's just, I think I've done like 15 in the last two weeks. It's been really ridiculous. Most of them have been um, by this presenter. She's British. Her name is Dr. Lucy Worsley. And she does stuff like the Royal Bedchamber, uh, <laughs> a Tudor Christmas. <laughs> it's just, I mean, and she's a lot of fun and she makes history like really accessible. And she's very enthusiastic about it. So I've kind of gone through all of that. And then I went through like ancient civilizations and uh, what else? Oh, they had a really good one on the treasures of Egypt. A lot of fun. Um, and it's really, it's really just interesting to see the, um, just the, the gamut of subject matter that they have. The PBS app is absolutely wonderful. If anybody's interested in downloading it, it has a lot of good shows on it, not just documentaries. It's got um, food shows. It's got uh, their own like original series and not just their original series, but series that run on like the BBC. Mm -hmm. A lot of them transfer over to PBS uh, when it runs in the States. So check out PBS become a uh, contributor. I do like five bucks a month and they sent me a neat little coffee cup. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my, my mom, definitely. She like consumes, consumes PBS. And growing up, we uh, had a TV that only got one station <laughs> and that station was PBS. <laughs> and then, and then we got broken into and the TV got stolen, but so we didn't have a TV. <laughs> But so I I grew up watching PBS and yeah, it's it's very much my mom loves that. She's usually listens to every episode. She's probably not going to listen to this one because she knows how violent this show is. So she's probably going to skip this, this one. But yeah, yeah, she she shouts the praises of them, too. And yeah, it's and documentaries. I just love documentaries. We talk we're going to be talking about um, docu-series stuff in our true crime episode coming up. But yeah, documentaries are great. And mine is actually a documentary too, uh, not on PBS. It's uh, the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, which will terrify you. Um, we already know that social media is watching our every move and manipulating us like crazy. And this one will really show how much it's manipulating, manipulating us. Um, the one thing that I don't like about it, though, I will say, is I don't like that they have the this stuff. They have like a live actors, like actors acting out portions of some little storyline of people being addicted. And that's the one part I'm like, we didn't need this. We could have just done the documentary. Um, but I just recommend it because I just think it's important to know this stuff. And uh, the people they interview are people who created the social media that we consume. And they even talk about how they're addicted to it, too. So. Yeah, so it's a very interesting and scary documentary on Netflix. Okay, let's get into The Boys. If you don't know what The Boys is about, and you're listening to this and you don't care about being spoiled, um, The Boys is about a group of vigilantes, um, who are The Boys, who set out to take down a corrupt, corrupt superheroes who abuse their superpowers. Um, and it is extremely violent. I'm just saying that up front because... I, I really wasn't prepared for how violent the show is, <laughs> which I'm not saying that as a bad thing because I watch horror movies like crazy, of course. Um, but it was created by Eric Kripke, who, of course, created Supernatural, um, and it was adapted from a comic book. And I just want to know, has anyone on here read the comic? I haven't, but I keep hearing great things about it. So I, I definitely want to want to pick it up and check it out. I haven't either. I'm putting it on the list, though, because it sounds like it's um, kind of almost graphic novelish. 
And yeah. so I'm definitely interested in that because I love graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I haven't either, so... Well, let's just talk briefly about our thoughts about season one, and then we'll get into the soups, which are the superheroes, and then we'll talk about the boys, and we'll talk about our thoughts on season two so far and a couple other things. Um, So, Judy, what were your general thoughts about season one of the boys? Yeah, so in season one, um, you know, we, we very quickly realized that the soups aren't you know, like the Marvel suits, they're not all good. um, But what they look like more than anything else is just these corporate chills, right? We don't realize they're pure evil and awful. You know, they just seem like, you know, they're powerful and scary. But for the most part, we think that they're controlled by this giant corporate money-making machine, um, that that makes all the decisions for them and tells them what they do, what they have to do, what they have to say, all that kind of stuff. So and and it hides their bad behavior for them. So they seem to be very packaged and managed. Um, but the uh, you know and the alignment, this I found really interesting was like the alignment of superhero worship with the whole religious right, and it was. It was like such a gut punch as I was watching it, and it just feels so familiar and creepy. And, um, you know, it's barely concealed satire about the sort of cult of Christian Christianity in America right now. Mm-hmm. And it was so that's that was one of the most fascinating things to me about season one. Um, but then the way the season builds and we you know, you gradually start to see that this powerful company thinks they're in charge, um, but they really fear these, you know, p- powerful humans that are um, godlike. And it's, it's I, I love watching that power shift from, you know, we think that this corporation is in charge and we start to realize that, oh boy, these these superheroes are... Well, not even superheroes. These, <laughs> these just powerful yeah. these soups, whatever we want to call them, are are really conniving and powerful and um, making the the terrible decisions, and it really ups the ante. I think so. That um, going into season two, I think that's what that's what makes that really exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and your your thoughts, Tiffany? I like how Judy really, really push that fact of it being thinly veiled satire because I'm sitting there looking at this. It's so thin. The line (laughs) between fantasy and reality is completely blurred, Um, especially, like you said, with that that right-wing nut jobs in in the show coupled with the right-wing jobs that we have in reality and how they uh, view who they, whom they put on a pedestal. And that's what the boys does, I think, really brilliantly because you see it right from the very beginning when Huey loses his, you know, his girlfriend is murdered by mm-hmm. A-Train. I mean, 
right off of the bat, we're just like, it's in your face. And Aaron mentioned it as well. How about how violent it is? Her death is extremely violent. Extremely. He's left holding her hands. Like her literal hands are just in all. his hands. And that's <laughs> it. it. Yes. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's just this explosion of, of body parts. And, and the show doesn't shy away from that. It doesn't pretend to be gentle. And it doesn't pretend that good is going to win over evil. It completely blurs those lines every single episode. And it, I'm, I dig it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dig it immensely um, because I think there is a lot of reality. I think Eric Kripke has done a really great job with, uh, with pulling from in real life scenarios and placing it into, especially in season one. It's, yeah. it's really, really good really good so if you're not watching it audience please watch it <laughs> unless you have a um a weak stomach <laughs> <laughs> i know that's the one thing is the weak stomach part. <laughs> yeah yeah i i just echo everything both of you have has said because i just think it's it's a really 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 well written show that's the one thing i want to say is it's just the writing is top notch i think all the performances for the most part are really, really good as well. Um, and I think the writing helps those performances too. I think the directing is good. Um, I think I love the music. Um, I love, yes, that's what I was just going to say. I love the use of Billy Joel so much. It's just, I I don't know, because I, I think it really fits. Um, I really, I think it really fits for some reason, which you wouldn't think in a show like this that you would hear a lot of Billy Joel. But it <laughs> Never really besmirch the name yeah. of Billy Joel. Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and yeah, and and Billy Joel was the second concert I ever saw, so it's kind of like you know, so it's so perfect. I always, yeah, I always miss spot, and it fits. It fits the character of Huey that he loves Billy Joel. It just fits his character. Um, you know, and we'll definitely get into him more, but yeah, I just, it was just so striking to me because I think we already put superheroes on this weird pedestal, even though they don't exist. And what I love about this show is it, to me, it shows what I truly believe if superheroes were around, I think they would be a lot like the seven. Um, I think more of them would be like Homelander than would be like Starlight, (laughs) Um, so I, I really believe that and it could be just that I'm completely cynical, but I just think when you look around, especially here in the United States and especially right now, I think that's very true. And, um, you know, I, we'll get into Homelander here in just a minute, but, um, you know, I, I heard somebody compare him to Donald Trump and I think you can kind of, kind of see that except for, um, He's a, he's smarter and um, which makes him scarier. I think in some ways, I think they're both <laughs> terrifying, but in some ways, um, I think especially in season two, you see that, but, but it's just, it's just a really fascinating show. Really interesting. Um, I think the violence, which we'll get into that a bit more in a bit is perfect. Actually. I think it should be that violent. Um, I think if you toned that down, I don't think it would work for the storyline. Um, I don't think it would work for the characters. And I don't think it would work to really show you how truly cruel these characters are, these superheroes are. Um, so I, th- I think that that's important. So let's get into the soups or the though, seven. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Judy. Go ahead. The other thing to note, though, though, even though it does have these moments of 
over the top, extreme, crazy kind of violence. It's not your typical superhero show that's driven by action sequence after action sequence after action sequence. It's mm-hmm. very character driven and very story driven. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even it, the, those moments are kind of like fun and out there and, and sporadic, but this truly is about characters. Mm-hmm. Great point. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. That's very, very, very true. Um, yeah. So let's, let's get into the seven and we're going to start by talking about the leader of the seven. Um, and that is Homelander. And I want to talk about him because, uh, very, 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 very interesting character, basically, um, you know, Superman, um, <laughs> in a way, I think that's really what he's supposed to be. Um, is a take on Superman. That's what I've always taken. I mean, if I don't know if anybody has a different opinion on that, but um, and I was trying to look up to see because usually you can see which ones they're really based on. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I I believe. Uh, so, what are your general thoughts on um, Homelander, Judy? Oh yeah, I completely agree that he's a I don't know spoof is the satire or whatever of <laughs> Superman. You know, and and for anybody that hasn't watched the show, each of the soups in this kind of are a dark parallel to a, a, you know, a Marvel or a DC um, superhero. So, you know, I have the Superman and you have Queen Maeve, who is the Wonder Woman. And yeah, you have each of these parallels, which is kind of fun to see. Um, but yeah, for Homelander, he is a, <laughs> yeah, he's a fascinating character. And um, what's the guy? Anthony Starr just plays him beautifully. Like, amazing all the nuances of this character who at first you think is just this um again spoof on superman who superman's never been my favorite because he's too op (laughs) he's just you know way too powerful and everything um you know i'd like a little bit more vulnerability but this this guy's the the complexity of he's he was um built and raised in a to be a corporate commodity he didn't have parents he had he grew up with no love no empathy nothing and so what a train wreck it has made him out to be um you know he was from from infancy created and molded to be this um money-making machine and nothing else and so to to watch him deal with his mommy issues and <laughs> his daddy issues for that matter too and all that it's he's just he's just really fascinating and um every scene that he's in is just so ominous like you mm. literally never know which direction it's going to go and um the the Anthony Starr just plays him with that the tension. Like every scene he's in is so much tension. You're you're literally afraid of what is what this guy's gonna do. And um you're just always on that knife's edge with Homelander and, and that that is a great driving force of the show. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And Tiffany. I do believe that he is uh, definitely a, a satirist take on Superman. And I think there's some of that, of the negative sides of um, 
let's call it Nomad from the Marvel series when Captain America kind of turned rogue. I think there's some of that in there. I think there's an amalgamation of the two of them. Um, there's an interesting line in, if you've ever seen Kill Bill uh, mm-hmm. in volume two, when Bill is telling Beatrix how Superman cloaks himself as Clark Kent. And that's his way of showing people, earthlings, how they really are. Yeah. They are shy. They are clumsy. They are bumbling. <clears throat> they are, um, they're weak, right? And that's his, that, but that's his cloak. His actual being is as Kal L, this all, you know, like Judy said, <laughs> this, this all seeing, all knowing, all powerful being. And that's who Superman really is. Homelander on the flip side has been made in a laboratory by Vought, raised in a laboratory by Vought. And what came out was what Vought made. And that is a reflection of his reality. That's a reflection of how we are to Vought. Vought is telling us, this is exactly how you people are. This is exactly what you all look like. If you're given an ounce of power, you take it and you run and you don't make the world better for it. So I like that, you know, I like that parallel between those two. Um, he, like you said, Anthony Star, he is, <laughs> he, he gets such glee out of being so bad. You can totally <laughs> see it in his face. He's, he's just, he's, you know, he looks like the Grinch when the Grinch smiles so evilly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how he looks to me every single time. And as soon as he opens his mouth, you can tell some just like pure poop is going to come out. Like he doesn't believe anything that he's saying, you know, he doesn't believe it. Everything is just is is just spin. That's all it is. It's just PR spin. And that's all he's doing every single time because he likes the power. He likes the hype. He likes um, being the man. Um, and he likes being in charge or what he thinks is being in charge. Because do we actually know, is Homelander actually running the show? At least in season one, yeah. it feels like Vought is still pulling puppet strings. But um, Homelander thinks he's pulling puppet strings <laughs> instead. So it's an interesting dynamic between the two. Yeah, yeah. And you see a lot in season two. You also see, um, at least so far, seen that um, he's 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 got this ego, but that he also is kind of it's so fragile he can't even handle like a meme being out there that's against him um he can't stand not being in control especially if a woman is going to be in control i think um that even pushes him further over the edge um because you see that with stormfront and we'll get to her in, in a bit um but yeah you but you just see how he just wants all the power and control because he's been told that he is the most powerful of them that he's the leader he's the one that should be in charge he's the you know he's like the cookie cutter um you know blonde hair blue-eyed you know american um and he's who's going to save the day and you know you see very early on in the beginning of season one when he kills the mayor uh he just destroys the mayor's private plane you know just because because he knew about compound V, which we should say that um, 
all these superheroes were injected with compound V, which is what made them have these powers. Um, and their parents willingly did this and got paid. And yeah, so I just want to say that really quickly. I don't know if we had mentioned that before, but yeah, he's just, he's so, so creepy and scary and um, he makes your skin crawl and his mother issues. Oh my gosh. I just, I mean, you briefly mentioned that Judy, but oh my God, his obsession with breast milk is <laughs> one of the most, oh my gosh, things so glad I have... you said it. <laughs> <laughs> someone had to, because it is one of the most disturbing things I have ever <laughs> seen because in the first season um elizabeth shoe who he actually ends up killing um who plays madeline Stillwell, um they're kind of having this weird relationship and she just had a baby and so she will breastfeed him on occasion and after she dies in season two there's a whole scene where he warm he has this bottle of i'm assuming it's still her breast milk and he warms it up and drinks it and it is so disturbing and then he has a whole scene where he has the um oh what's Wait that character season two breast milk scene that's what i mean yeah that's what i mean <laughs> yes it's, and that's what i was trying to remember is that is the one that pretend it thank you doppelganger yeah. and he's being madeline and he oh my god that it was so <laughs> disturbing his whole obsession with that and it's because he didn't have parents yeah. so i think he's got this such this need to have a mother but he's so disturbed and messed up this is his way of having a mom um, yeah. If Freud ever had a favorite show, this would be it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because of the, the depravity, the Oedipal complex. Let's just talk about that. <laughs> the Oedipal complex is on 1000 with Homelander. <laughs> yes, it really is. Yeah, that, that whole stuff is, is so, oh my God, that stuff is so disturbing. I remember the first time seeing that and I remember my sister and I were watching it and we're both like, what the... <laughs> What the hell is going on in this show? That's I watched really with my son. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did? I watched that show with my son. So, yeah, oh that, those gosh. scenes are always interesting. <laughs> I mean, they're adults, guys. They're adults. This is but, why I know. watch it alone. <laughs> this is I why I watch it by myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never know. After that, you're like, okay, <laughs> no holds barred. You, anything can happen in this show. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and I echo about um, Anthony Starr. He is so incredible. And if you look at him outside of this character, you look at a picture of him, it's hard to believe it's the same person. Um, he really becomes this character. And you can tell, like you said, Tiffany, he is having a blast playing this character. And I mean, who wouldn't really? I mean, it's got to be so much fun to play these evil characters more than some of the nice characters. Although even the good guys have a lot of an, have big edges to them too, sharp edges. So yeah, but yeah, he's, he's having a blast. So yeah, I, I just, I mean, I love him. I hate him, but I think the character is so fascinating to watch and is such a reflection of the United States and um, especially our our military power and how we want to take over the world, really. Um, and I think he reflects that perfectly. Yeah. Even the costume completely represents and how he com- how he's always plugging like the savior of America, not the savior of the world. Yeah. Yep. Very much. Very yep. much. It reminds me of uh, there's this <clears throat> there's this Chris Rock movie where he's running and I it, the <laughs> the movie title slips my mind, but. He's running for president and he's like this little known alderman 
and the <laughs> the guy that he's running against, he's always saying, "God bless the USA and nowhere else." <laughs> And that's what Homelander reminds me of. It is. Yeah. <laughs> that's really what he reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the perfect description of him. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, let's get um, on to another one of the seven. And let's actually talk about, because I think this is a really interesting character. I was going to save her for a little bit, but we'll talk about her now. Let's talk about Queen Maeve, who, as we said, is kind of like a satire on Wonder Woman. Um, what are your thoughts on her, Judy? Love her. Oh, I can't wait to see more and more and more of her. Um, you know, at, at at first I was like, you know, you think she's just another corporate chill and and everything but uh i her character is developing more and more and you find out why she's so bitter and why she's so angry and why she's you know she she was starlight 10 years ago and how all of this has just beaten her down and uh all of this that's going on in season two with her um I forget where we kind of left off, but I don't want to give it any spoilers um, for, for Tiffany, but the stuff that's going on in season two with her and we find out about her relationship and how she's hiding that relationship to protect um, her girlfriend from Homelander. It just gives her so much more depth. And I'm really hoping that she is going to be an integral part and a leader in the fight to bring down Homelander and Vought. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, yeah, me too. And Tiffany? I I agree, Judy. I really like Queen Maeve, and I like how she has to play off of Homelander's intensity with wanting to be liked. Maeve is a bit more nuanced with it, Um I don't get the idea that she wants to be loved so much as, as such as she wants to be respected. Um, And I think that comes also from just the, obviously the misogyny that comes with being the only woman before Starlight came in, the only woman on a team of soups. So I know that has to be hard for her overall. And then um, not only that, dealing with the misogyny of the people that are supposed a, a bought as well, the people that are running her, essentially. Um, I, I, I wasn't shocked when I found out that the person she was protecting was obviously a woman and, and Maeve um, has to basically be closeted. She has to hide. And then, of course, it's Homelander who outs her to the world. And it's mm-hmm. like, thanks, dude. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily ready to, <laughs> to, to do all of that, but thanks anyway. Um, I would like to see her. I thought she was a bit underutilized in season one. So I'd like to, I like seeing more of her in season two. Um, I hope as we get, you know, obviously the, the finale of the season in the next coming weeks that we do get more of her backstory, not only, but more of her story going forward. I think she's awesome. I do. I think she's awesome. And I'd like to see her team up with Starlight to, like you said, take down, (laughs) take down Homelander for good. (laughs) Although we wouldn't get another season if that happens. Maybe not not in season two. It's not too soon. We know for sure we're getting yeah, we know for sure we're getting season three. So exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, 
I really love her. Um, and you could even tell in the beginning episodes, even when you weren't sure and you were like, okay, she's probably a bad person because we've seen that Homelander and we've seen A-Train and we've seen The Deep and we've seen how they're bad people. Um, and so we kind of assume that she must be. But you could see certain looks in her face and the way she would look at Homelander, especially when he wasn't looking at her. Um, and you could see there was that struggle there. And, you know, I really think that big struggle there is, of course, that she has to hide a big part of who she is, you know. And, um, you know, and she's and she's bisexual, which you don't see that represented as much um, on TV. So it's good to see that, too. Um, and her relationship with Elena, I really hope we get to see more Elena. I mean, we've started to see more of her in season two, but I'd like to see even more and more of that and see even, even if we get even more flashbacks, cause we got some of those in season one, but I'd still like to see some more of those, um, and just kind of see what their relationship was like before and then, um, see how it grows now that Homelander has outed her, which was just one of the most cruel things ever to see, because that's such a personal thing for somebody and for him to take that away from her like that. And he knew it would hurt her. I mean, that's why he did it. Um, you know, because personally, I think he's probably completely homophobic, but I think a lot of that is also deep-seated personal things too going on there but um but yeah to do that was like just basically like here I'm just going to completely crush you and hurt you in a way that I know will would even hurt her even more I think in a way um than if if he had physically hurt Elena um there was something just so deeply cruel about that and watching her deal with that and um, I won't say much because of, of episode five, and I know Tiffany hasn't seen that one yet, so I don't want to say much, but I'm just interested to see her <laughs> um, continue to deal with that and um, and deal with the, the fallout from that um, and see wh- where she goes from there. But yeah, she's she's a great character, and I like the fact that Starlight isn't the only one of the seven that is a good person deep down or that's conflicted. I really like that because I think if they, I think if Starlight had been the only one, the only soup that you saw have any kind of conflict about this, I think it would have made it too, too um, one-sided in a way. Um, And even though she's done some bad things, you know, she has, um, she still has a really good heart there and I'm just, and I'm glad we get to see more of her in season two because she's definitely one of my favorites. I like her more than Starlight, frankly, but um, yeah, but yeah, she's 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 really really interesting. I like her a lot. Um, well, let's get into um, a real scumbag, the Deep. <laughs> That's how I like to describe him. He is such a scumbag. Um, he really is. <laughs> Yeah. So let's get into deep. What are your thoughts on the deep, Judy? Yeah, yeah, agree. Totally agree. Like in season one, total scumbag and everything. But I was really starting to get fascinated with his story. Like as he once he went to Sandusky and really got taken down a notch. Um, not that Sandusky's that bad. I used to live in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> But it's, it is definitely a notch down from New York. I will say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, having show, when he was starting to like, we saw him deal with his own 
self-esteem issues and body image issues and, you know, what happens when you lose, lose it all. And, and that was starting to really interest me. So I, I was surprised to see that he was going to be a much more nuanced character than it looked like in the beginning. So I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not so sure I'm interested in this whole cult thing that he's doing right now, though. I, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I'm just not into it right now, even though I was, like I said, I was really enjoying his Sandusky self-reflection. But I don't know. Uh, time will tell about what's going on with this weird cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Tiffany, your thoughts on the deep? Oh, such a D-bag. <laughs> such a D-bag. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I wanted to, t- I wanted to take Starlight's hand when she first meets all of them. And he does that and he sexually assaults her. I wanted yeah. to have her do her eyeball thing and just direct it toward his crotch and just, yeah. just Starlight <laughs> it off. Just, just blow it off. <laughs> it's like, that'll teach you to ever assault another woman again. Um, like Stormfront front said, exactly. you bite it off (laughs) bite it off bite it off yeah i mean you have superpowers use them um i gosh he's such a jerk he's just such a jerk and i i do agree with judy like seeing him taken down like not just one notch but like 12 notches and being sent to sandusky and it's like nobody cares about you dude like seriously who are you you talk to you control animals i mean how is that really helpful is it really helpful you know unless <laughs> you know i mean the whole dolphin thing yeah that oh my god dolphins and whales come on man like you're like the least helpful superhero on the planet um, <laughs> But seeing him try to uh, confront his, his, you know, his very deep seated, he's got a lot of self-loathing. He does. He has a lot of self-loathing when (laughs) he takes the shrooms or the tea or whatever it was from um, Eagle, Eagle Eye, Eagle Archer. Yeah, I think it's it's our Eagle I, I think it's Arch Eagle Archer or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah that dude. <laughs> when he when he takes that from him and his gills start talking to him. I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? It's like, did we all drop acid? What? <laughs> so, but I mean, but you see how he really feels about himself. And how he feels about himself is how he he reacts to other people, especially to women. He thinks that they're going to be um, really, really detrimental and and really hurtful toward him. So he does it to them before they can. It's instead of, he's not, he's reacting to people that haven't even acted yet, who haven't had a chance to act. So I did like that part of it. But like Judy said, where is this going with this cult? (laughs) Where is this going? What what type of church is this? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this looks a little weird. You're already talking about about marrying somebody. What, what is that about? What you know, yeah. rehabilitating his image and everything. Why why does he have to get married to rehabilitate his image? That seems a bit odd to me. So I guess we'll see where this goes with him, I suppose, but you know, I'm not really concerned because he's going to be in the ocean like running whales into people. I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, the whale scene. Oh my god, the whale oh, scene. The whale amazing. And then how Huey just sits in the carcass of the whale. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was crazy but yeah he is he's um a douche with a capital d um he is just scum um one thing about season two with him that 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 i'm very very weary of is i really don't want them to try and redeem him at all like i mean reality i'm not saying redeem him you know the image of him i'm saying in reality i don't want him to have a redemption storyline because i don't think he deserves it honestly um you know he he's sexually assaulted women raped women. i mean who knows what else he's done that we don't even know and so i don't think he really deserves to be redeemed um but i did think having his gills talk to him and having it be Patton oswald was just I thought that was great. I liked that. I mean, it was bizarre, but I I love I love Patton Oswalt. So anything that he does that is that was the voice of him. Yeah. And I remember when I was watching that scene, I'm like, who's that voice? Who's that voice? I had to stop it and look it up because <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's he's so great. Um, but but that's my only concern is I don't want him to get a redemption storyline and ever become a good guy because I just, you know, of all the one of all of them, I think that would be um, the worst one of the ones that aren't already kind of on that line. Like Queen Maeve is already, you know, is already pretty much going to the is on the good side, in my opinion, but the ones that aren't. I would really not want him to get a redemption storyline. I mean, it'll never happen with Homelander, but I just do not want the deep to go that way. Um, and with the cult, I am fascinated with cults. Um, and so that they always fascinate me. And I'm just curious what the Fresca has to do with everything, because Fresca seems to be such a big drink with this cult. And I used to love Fresca. So I just think it's kind of interesting. I'm so like, what refreshing. Is- Oh my yeah. goodness, so refreshing. <laughs> it is. So I'm like, what is it with Fresca? So I'll be curious if that really is plays a part at all or if it's just some kind of weird thing that they're into. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be curious. Um, but like I said, just as long as they don't try and redeem him and make him a, a good a good guy. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the one thing I would not want to see. Um, well, let's talk about someone who... who I actually think it'd be kind of interesting in a way to see if they ever tried to do this with him that I think they might try to do with him in some way. Um, Or at least he might really turn on them, especially after what's happening to him this season. And that's a train. Um, And when we, and a train, a train of course is, um, and we didn't say this for the deep, but the deep is, is um, like um, what's Aquaman. Um, And then um, a train is kind of like the flash. Um, so it's a take on the flash. And of course, when we first ma- meet a train, like we said, um, he kills uh, Huey's girlfriend, like by accidentally running through her, literally running through her um, <laughs> and killing her that way. And he also is um, addicted to compound V. Um, and in season two, he's being kicked out of the seven. Um, and so I want to get your thoughts on A-Train. What are your thoughts on A-Train, Judy? Um, well, you know, I found it interesting that you were kind of more interested in a redemption story for him than The Deep. Because to me, I mean, don't get me wrong, The Deep's a douche. But this man actually murdered the woman he loved. That's true. That's to protect true, yeah. his image. <laughs> so I'm not all about him having a redemption arc either. Um 
yeah, I'm kind of meh about him at this point. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see where his goes as well. It does feel like, you know, with Vought kicking him out, he's probably going to kind of turn around and become part of the team to take down Vought. Um, but as of right now, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm done with him. <laughs> I'm done with his story. Yeah, yeah, and and I'll clarify what what I kind of mean by that is. I just think it might, I just think he might be a little bit more interesting to see in that he's a horrible person. I'm not saying he's a good person, but I think with the deep, I just don't think the deep as is as interesting a character maybe is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Um, and it could also be, to be frank, the, the actor, to be honest, I, th- I think that's part of it with the deep. Um, and, and what I mean is that I think what I can see a train doing is helping to take him down, but not necessarily being a good guy, but he's doing it out of spite because he's very vengeful right now. So yeah. Yeah. At least I think he's going to become very vengeful. Um, And Tiffany. It's, it's kind of a fascinating thing to me that the only one who seems to have side effects from compound V is a train. Like, I mean, he's having to abuse compound V because he's, his powers are kind of degenerative of sorts, but nobody else seems to have that problem. Homelander is still just as powerful. Queen Maeve, Starlight, all of them. And they all, I mean, in Homelander and Queen Maeve are obviously older than A-Train. So, and, and Starlight, of course, she's very, very young. So why is he the only one that's having these issues? Are there different um, levels to compound V? Did he get a lesser dose of compound B than the other ones did? <clears throat> what what's making him run slower? And uh, or and in season two, he, you know, spoiler alert, kind of I mean, pretty much loses his power completely. He's not able to run fast at all. So is that because of his? Um, I guess it looked like it was probably cardiac arrest in season one at the you know at that finale of season one or is it because of the abuse of the compound V? So that's interesting to me. I'm of the opinion like Aaron. Um, I, I, I think I'm of the opinion of you both actually. Um, I think I can see him going completely rogue because he's just spiteful because Homelander kicked him out and he wants to take down Homelander. He wants to take down bot. Um, but then I'm not, particularly interested to see it (laughs) it doesn't really it doesn't move me um because like judy said this is the guy who literally killed his girlfriend because she didn't fit into his all-american a-train image so yeah we'll see you know i don't know <laughs> yeah and he did viciously viciously kill her too wasn't he? exactly exactly um, yeah 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 so yeah and, and you know i i think there was i think the show was more interested in him in season one than they are in season two i've noticed that um focus has kind of shifted a little bit and i think they were a lot more interested in exploring him and his storyline in season one and then season two he's taken a real backseat to everything um, and I don't know if he'll end up teaming up with them. He probably, I mean, probably what will end up happening is he won't do that and he'll just go rogue on his own. Um, 
or he'll, ch- I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Or he'll OD or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if that, that, that will happen with him, but yeah, it is interesting why it doesn't work as well on him. Um, what that's about, what, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they explore that more and delve deeper into that and see why that is. But yeah. Yeah. And he's, um, I I, I was trying to think there was something that came to my mind and it slipped out of my mind of what I was going to compare him to. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's an interesting, I, I think he was more interesting in season one than he is in season two. I will just say that. And yeah, he is, he is scum as most of these men are. <laughs> and then of course, um, some of the women are scum too. So we'll get to that here, but let's go to, um, starlight. I was going to save her for last, but let's talk about her now. And starlight, she's part of the seven. She, uh, in season one, she becomes the newest member of the seven. Um, and she becomes the newest member after, um, lamplighter, isn't it after Lamplighter retires, right? She's replacing, mm-hmm. isn't that, right? I don't know if he retired or was kicked out, you know, because of the yeah. whole, you know, torching kids or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. yes, she she replaced Lamplighter. <laughs> She's replacing yeah, it. yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so she comes in and she, um, she comes in and she's like this doe-eyed, innocent in a way uh where she's kind of taken in and then she realizes very quickly that um soups and the spigs and the big seven aren't everything that everybody has cracked them up to be and she learns that in a lot of hard ways i mean of course if we've mentioned she was sexually assaulted by the deep um but so what are your thoughts on starlight judy um well one of the things that i love about starlight is um Let's just say Eric Kripke loves a good, a big entrance with sparks. <laughs> so all I can think of, which, you know, when she has her big spark filled entrance, I'm like, oh, it's a parallel to Castiel. <laughs> that aside, though. Um, yeah, she, she, I feel like is one of the um, eyes through which the audience is watching the show. You know what I mean? Um, she's, she's that because cause the the american public and in, in the show are are also doe-eyed as far, you know most of them think that these superheroes are all good and they're saving us and they're protecting us and they you know spend all their money to go see all these movies and buy the merchandise and all of that kind of stuff so we are kind of her <laughs> going into into it and um we are becoming disillusioned as she is. So I think that's kind of the interesting thing about her is we're, we're living this experience through her. And um, yeah, to me, that's, that's like the most interesting thing about her to, for now and to watch her kind of gain power from that um, to, to deal with these other uh you know, kind of evil people that she's never had to deal with before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm looking forward to watching her grow into that role more and more. And Tiffany? I like the fact that I feel like Starlight is still more Annie than Starlight. She still feels mm-hmm. like the, you know, the superhero mask, the soup mask is off to me, as opposed to it being on like Homelander, like a train like um what's that other one uh, uh, uh 
what is he called? Dark noir, noir, black yeah, noir, black noir. I've never seen anybody out of costume but her, really. I mean, there's yeah, like one one scene with uh, Maeve, but that's about it. Right, yeah. Maeve going to the hospital is the only other time I can think of oh, where train and when he had the crutches. When he had the crutches, yes. That's about, <clears throat> it, yeah. that's about it. They are they are on air quotes twenty four seven, and she's the only one that I feel like it's Annie. A lot of times when her hair is in the ponytail, she's in her hoodie and she's meeting up with um, Huey for whatever uh, to take down Vaught and to give him information. Um, she feels at that time like like this 18 year old kid. She does. She really does. She looks like a kid. She acts like a kid. But I think in season two, we see her learning on the fly, learning what to do. And she's formidable when she wants to be, you know, with the whole um She's learning how to manipulate and she's learning how to blackmail because she sees in this world going up against Vought, going up against the other soups. That's what she has to do in order to be successful. <clears throat> and whereas I don't think she could have done that in season one. Uh, she's really, really coming into her power, not her superpower, but just her power in season two. So I'm interested to see how far she can push that, especially when the truth um, about the newest member of the seven. And I'll have a whole lot to say about her when we get get further into it, especially when that comes out about her. I'm interested to see how Annie as Starlight reacts to that, because I think it's going to um, really, really, she's, she's very empathetic. And I think that's going to really upset her and really throw her off her axis a bit. So I'll be interested to see her reaction to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and for me, you know, what's interesting about Starlight is to me, she kind of represents someone who has grown up um, believing in God a lot and believing in, in her faith. And, and she grew up very Christian and, and um, Judy, I know you mentioned that in the beginning that a lot of this is, is reflective of, you know, maybe the Christian, right. Um, and I think it really is a lot of on this side with the seven and people that worship the seven. Um, and it's interesting with her because it's almost like watching someone lose that faith, losing their faith. Um, not only in what they believed in with the seven and with superheroes and with what her powers might've meant, but in God, I think in a lot of ways she's lost her faith in that part of her life as well. Um, and I do like the fact that you see her more as Annie. Um, I loved, loved the scene in season two with her and Huey singing Billy Joel in the car, even though it annoyed Billy to no end. I still loved that scene. <laughs> or not Billy. Sorry, it wasn't Billy. Sorry. Um, but that that was, oh, my God, that was so funny. I just thought it was so cute and sweet and you know, I mean, it really is, they're kind of like, um, they have those moments where it's almost like too sweet for the show. <laughs> and then it kind of has to be brought back to what the show really is. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think she's interesting. Like I said, I, I kind of like Maeve a little bit more. Um, she's a little bit almost too, too good, if that makes sense even though she has some moments where she might, I mean, have a little bit rougher edge that's coming out. But 
I don't know. She seems a little bit too good at times. And that's why I think, like you said, Tiffany, it's going to be really interesting to watch her more when she's interacting with Stormfront, because I think that's when you'll get to see a different side of her, maybe. Um, or maybe she'll become deeper. Um, maybe she'll have more of an edge. So that that's the one thing I will say about her. Sometimes she's a little bit too apple pie for me. Um but but I do I do like her. I think the performance is really good. Um, I like her interactions with Huey. I think they have really good chemistry. So I like watching them together. Um, yeah, and and that Billy Joe and it was Mother's Milk that got annoyed with them. <laughs> but I was like that. But it was just so cute in a way. It was just kind of sweet. And it was a nice way to break up the tension, especially at that moment. But yeah. Okay, well, and I know, um, I don't know if anyone has very much to say about Black Noir, but we'll, but we'll just briefly cover that, and then we're going to um, get into Stormfront, and then we're going to take a break. But um, do you have any thoughts that you want to share on uh, Black Noir, Judy? He cracks me up. <laughs> like, every time he's on scene, I just laugh at, you know, I don't even know why. Like, his reactions, uh, you know, this totally silent guy. But we we didn't talk about Stormfront much, so, very much. But I do have some things to oh, say we, about. We her. are we are going to. After oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I thought we were going on to the boys. No, um, no, no, not yet. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I. There's hardly much to say other than Black Noir just cracks me up, and I'll be interested to see if if we get more about him. I mean, right now he's pretty much used as like just a vigilante, and seems to just go along with it. Don't know why. Um, I don't know if we'll, uh, we'll see if he ever gets a voice, I guess. Yeah. Tiffany, do you have anything you want to say about Black Noir? Uh, cool name. It's a cool name. Uh, besides that, is he real? Is he a robot? It's it's fifty fifty. We may eh? never know. <laughs> we may never know. We may never know since the thing does not speak. So <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to say about Black Noir. <laughs> yeah, there really isn't much to say about him because we don't know really much about him. Um, I will say though that even though we don't know much about him, so we don't have much to say about him. I kind of hope he never gets a voice because I think that's more interesting and I don't really want to see the voice and I don't really want to see what he looks like outside of his costume. I don't know. That's just me. But yeah, there's not really much to say about him. Um, Actor that plays him super cute. (laughs) (laughs) So I wouldn't mind seeing more of him on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we do want to see him out there. (laughs) But yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Let me see. I'm, I'm, I didn't look at the act. Yeah, he is super cute. Uh, Nathan <laughs> Mitchell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, there's not much to say about him. So yeah, but I just wanted okay. to see if anyone had any thoughts. Um, but yeah, let's get into Stormfront. Who Stormfront is new this season in season two. Um, I guess in the graphic novel, Stormfront was actually a man, was a male character. Um, so I think it's very interesting that uh, Eric Kripke decided to make it a female character. Um, I actually think that was a really good decision. Um, but she comes on to replace, um, I don't know his name right, you know, the guy who was murdered last season. Thank you, Translucent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she comes on to replace Translucent. So what are your thoughts on Stormfront, Judy? Oh, wow. I did not know 
that Stormfront was a man in the comics. That's a that's an interesting twist. Um, and one of the things I kind of like uh, about that is it shows that um, you could read the the comic and it's probably going to be different than the show, right? That's probably going to put a very very different spin on it, um, because you know the show is going down this whole girl power you know thing with with Vought is is really tapping into the three ladies and all that. So I, I feel like that's going to make the the show go in a different direction <clears throat> and obviously um uh, no spoilers but episode five changes yeah. things yeah <laughs> um so yeah stormfront we know she's evil and bad and and has this awful backstory potentially very racist god only knows what else um, but damn it, there's this part of me that just loves her, <laughs> loves it, not her, but loves the, the, her dialogue and the things that she says and her, her independence and her just doesn't give a crap about this whole Vought stuff. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a part of me that cheers on that side of her while also cringing, knowing that she is a awful, awful, uh, person and superhero mm-hmm. tiffany your thoughts on stormfront oh so many thoughts <laughs> so many feelings so i actually think it was i knew it was a man in the in the graphic novel and i think it was a very deliberate choice by eric kripke to make her a woman in the show too many times white women and white men, women specifically not of course you two love you two but <laughs> as a collective, white women are protected by their white womanhood mm-hmm. um, in the way that people can say, oh, she's not racist. Oh, she's not a, uh, an awful person. Oh, she can't be um, she she can't be terrible to, you know, she can't be xenophobic, that sort of thing. And Stormfront fits that description to a T to a T. Nobody is going to think that she is actually that person that did that thing back in the 70s because of her white womanhood. It protects her. It cloaks her. Uh, So I love that choice by Eric Kripke. And I hate her already. She's awful. (laughs) She's terrible. She grates on my nerves. Like, And I think that's the sign, though, of a, a character that is is well written and there are layers and levels to this thing because when she came on it's like oh yeah she just doesn't give an f uh she's telling Vought to you know kiss her butt and she's doing her own thing she's like Judy says she's independent she doesn't uh she doesn't let anybody run over her and then it's like oh okay (laughs) this chick is running through people's houses. She's blasting people through walls. She's, I mean, collateral damage on 1,000 and she does not care. She mm-hmm. absolutely does not care, which speaks to um, something completely different in the fact that she thinks that she can get away with it. 
that's the bigger thing. That's the bigger issue at hand is that she she knows she can get away with it. So it'll be interesting to see. And I know, I know I'm not caught up and I didn't watch episode five and I'm going to kick myself for not catching up to episode five because now I really want to know what you all are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> because I know I would have more to say about it. <laughs> but those are my feelings on that. And I really, really hope. Exactly. <laughs> And I really hope that Huey, Mother's Milk, and Annie really take what the woman in South Carolina told them to heart. And, you know, they probably did in in episode five, and I'm still behind. But (laughs) I I hope that they really, really uh, get their investigative hats down and uh, put them on and, and see what the what is. Because... There's something a brewing right now. Yeah, yeah, and um, she's 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 a she's I don't think she's she's not prob she's not probably racist racist she's definitely racist she's probably homophobic she's probably I mean she's definitely xenophobic um she's I just love that he made the character a female um. Because you see how um, even like Starlight is taken in by her and really almost looks up to her in a way when they're first starting out. And it's kind of like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll have another woman on my side. Um, you know, and she represents – She's. I, I don't want to say she's like – this popped in my head when someone was talking. She's not quite like Sarah Palin, but she's more like the um, punk rock version of Sarah Palin in a way. Uh, but a little bit, but smarter. Um, she's really scum. She's just totally out for herself. Um, she really doesn't, I don't think, care about anything except for herself and power, 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 power. And I think that's why Homelander is so um, afraid of her in a way and fearful because she has the same kind of need and hunger for power that he does, but it's on a different level. Um, and it's just, she's, she's scary. She's a great foe. She's awful and horrible and I hate her, but she's, she's a great foe. And, you know, she's a reminder that we need to remember a lot that, um, you know, was it 56 percent of, of white women voted for, for Trump. So, I mean, we often forget that and we often, you know, put that aside and, and think that that's, that's not true and that, that women don't, don't support Trump, but you know, by those percentages, more white women support Trump than don't. And she's very representative of that. Um, and that mentality and, that mentality of like the Dana Loches of the world and, and um, people like that who try to be all feminine and, 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 um, but also very like, I can do anything. I'm a woman. I can do anything, but I'm also a racist. I'm also want to kill as many people as possible, or I want our country to kill as many people as possible. I'm xenophobic, all this stuff while wearing this mantle of girl power, you know, and that's what I think so interesting about her. And that's why it's so awesome that Eric Kripke decided to make this character a woman because it says a lot, um, especially right now in this day and age, um, you know, I so I think that was really, really important. And I'm very, very curious to see where this goes. Um, and I can't wait for you to watch the end of season five. I mean, season five, episode five, Tiffany, because 
I just, oh, I just, you'll have to let us know what you think of that because yeah, yeah, it's just. I'm going to DM you both because this is my own fault for not watching it. This is my own fault for not watching it. I so should have watched it before we recorded this. It's fine. It's fine. But I, no, I'm just curious just to, just to see, but yeah, yeah. She's um, pointing me though, Tiffany, you know, like the more you think about it, the media and TV movies, that kind of thing absolutely puts white women on the, on pedestals and to, to see, to, to have a, a white woman character come in. This is truly evil. Like there's nothing redeeming about her at this point is uh, an interesting twist. That's a good thing that you mentioned, Aaron, about those other, you know, these white women that we know of that are, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, and they are like uber evil in real mm-hmm. life. Um, they're social media savvy. They have these teams behind them that know what they're doing, that know how to absolutely manipulate blast there and manipulate the public at large and there are like you said the 50 something percent that suck it all in and that really absorb all of it and think that what these people have to say is is gospel and she mentions that to homelander she says look i have like four guys running my social media account she's like i don't need a whole pr team she said all i need is like wi-fi bandwidth and four four people working on a keyboard, and that's it. And she's already, you know, got this this really broad reach. Whereas he's got a whole marketing team behind him, and he's filming commercials that are like, you know, fifteen million dollars and stuff like that. So he is not understanding the way things have changed and the way things uh, are going now. And that social media is the way to get people's attention. Um, so that's even more frightening about her is that she's going to have this reach. To people mm-hmm. and uh something that he doesn't get and i mean ho- don't get me wrong Hollander is still exceptionally scary yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still exceptionally scary but she's she's right there with him yep. she's like right there so we'll see how that plays out yeah yeah i agree yeah she's yeah the well i mean she starts out her very first scene she's like live on is it instagram or whatever she's live on and she's live streaming when they're filming and she's coming in there and yeah yeah i mean it's right away she's automatically using that social media um to her advantage you know she's 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 really really smart which makes her really really scary and she's got the ear of a lot of people so she's she's pretty terrifying um yeah and she's scary another sharp loud and spot on statement of satire about the world we live in today yes yep yep and that's why i that's one of the things i love the most about this show yeah um i think this is the perfect time to release this show uh yeah okay well we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna talk about the quote-unquote heroes i don't really like saying that even though they're the good guys but the boys we're going to talk about the boys um and get into that and then um we're already mentioning season two so we probably won't necessarily mention that we'll you know i'll throw it out see if there's anybody other any other thoughts on that but we'll be back in just a second okay and we're back so let's get into the boys 
um, you know, the, the people that are kind of the heroes, but like I said, I don't like necessarily saying that, um, they've got a lot more edge. Um, they're they're They can be just as, not just as dark, but they have dark sides to the, to them as well. So let's get into really the leader of the voice, uh, Billy Butcher. So let's talk about Billy Butcher. What are your thoughts on him, Judy? Oh, what a disaster. <laughs> Oh my gosh. To to quote Billy himself, he is diabolical. <laughs> yeah, he lies to his own people. He is he's just uh, just barely a notch better than the soups. I mean, he's yeah. he's pretty awful, but his charisma saves him. Like every time he's on screen, you your eyes can't leave him and you just can't stop smiling cuz he's just got so much charisma he just draws you in carl urban who plays him is just amazing and um yeah uh, as far as his his character and his character's story goes um i mean yeah it's it's heartbreaking heartbreaking he lost his wife lots of people do and they don't go on you know murderous rampages (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, it, uh, I'll be interested to see what happens with his story without spoilers, but after what happens in, in, in episode five, because it kind of changes his direction a little bit. Um, yeah. Tiffany, once again. I know. <laughs> Carson is spoiled again. <laughs> there is a big thing in there is it's an important big thing (laughs) yeah yeah and and the 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 billy the butcher huey relationship this father son whatever the heck they've got going on is a pretty fascinating and fun relationship to watch build yeah yeah it it really is and tiffany it's funny because he's he went on this rampage based off of only like half of the information that was out there. He knew that Homelander had trigger warning, assaulted his wife. Um, and, you know, and obviously he, he raped her. He is thinking that, you know, he, she died and he's going on this vindication tour to avenge her. And, um, and honor her memory and get back at Homelander and she's alive. And not only is she alive, but spoiler alert, she's got a kid and it's Homelander's kid. Um, That is one heck of of a decision for him and for Becca in season two, when, you know, they obviously get together for, you know, a night of passion and, and remembrance with each other, learning about each other again. And that's all good and that's all gravy. But then he makes the most awful statements about her kid. And here she is, like, having been raped, but still having the child, raising the child, and obviously really loving that child, which is, I mean mind-blowing to a lot of us you know to be for someone to be able to do that the capacity for love that Becca actually has has to be really really great there has to be a lot of depth 
to her, although we don't necessarily see it so far. Um, and he just tells her he's a, you know, a lab rat for Vaught. It's like, dude, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're trying to push your, your wife away. You're, you're pushing her right on into the ether with that statement. Um, so Billy was not a good person right there. <laughs> he was not a good person right there. But um, I agree, Judy. He's, uh, Carl Urban plays him so well. He's so charismatic. He is, he is diabolical. <laughs> he just, he gets, he's another one that plays the character with such glee. Uh, anytime he gets to blow something up. They're having fun. making. They're having yeah. so <laughs> much fun doing all of this nonsense. When yeah. He rams the boat. Through yeah. the whale. Uh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> just stuff like that. Is, he's just uh, he's a hot mess he is he is a hot mess and um, I'm interested to see once again episode 5 I'm coming for you <laughs> I will see where Billy's trajectory is headed <laughs> once Who I knows? watch episode 5 the show keeps surprising us <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that <laughs> yeah yeah I, and I echo a lot of that and yeah he's he's very much an anti-hero um, I think, and he is very, very fun to watch. Um, even though he just, a lot of the times you kind of just want to smack him across the face. Um, sometimes you want to punch him. Um, you know, like I know Huey wants to punch him all the time. Um, <laughs> um but you know, he's, there's, there's more underneath that, that I think we're going to hopefully start exploring more. And we've explored a little bit already, um, but yeah, his his stuff with Becca, the scenes with Becca, yeah, it was really like, you know, ugh, come on, man. I mean, plus not only that, but she is she is getting basically emotionally emotion. There's a lot of emotional abuse going on in her life outside of him. I mean, she's got Homelander keeps coming around and harassing her because now he wants to be part of his son's life or whatever, and he's such a scumbag and so she has to deal with seeing her rapist all the time and dealing with that and dealing with the fear that's there and trying not to be afraid and trying to protect her son and she doesn't want her son to be a superhero she doesn't want her son to explore these powers um but you know then he will when Homelander's around and, and having to deal with that and having to deal with the fact that should she tell her son, you know, who this guy is? Um, how do you deal with that? How do you face the fact that your son now has to be, in, has to see this guy that, that raped you, um, that, you know, raped your mother and you're a product of that. And I mean, that's just a lot of emotional stuff to have to carry around and for him to basically, you know, almost it's almost like he just kind of went I don't care about that and it's not that he doesn't care that she was hurt or assaulted but he kind of doesn't seem like he just can he can't wrap his head around anyone else's emotional pain he's so wrapped up in his own need for vengeance and revenge that he can't see past that and that's why he makes some 
stupid, stupid mistakes and says stupid and hurtful things because he's so wrapped up in that vengeance, you know, um, which I think is a theme in a lot of Eric Kripke shows, honestly. But yeah, he's so, so consumed by that that he can't see that his wife is hurting and is in pain and is scared and you know, and she loves her son. I mean, she loves her son more than anything. You can tell that. And, um, which is amazing because of the fact that, you know, he was a product of such a horrible, horrible thing that happened to her. And so she's dealing with so much and he's just so consumed with revenge. And the fact that he finally sees his wife, which his wife, I think has become such a mythical thing to him, um, because he thought she was dead. And so she's kind of become like this myth and not real anymore. And then to have that reality there, I don't think he knew how to deal with that. Um, so yeah, he's, he's really interesting watching his dynamics with other people. He's not really a good at interacting with people. <laughs> he's not good at, he doesn't, he doesn't have people skills really. Um, <laughs> You know, he's like, he asks questions later, you know, he, he acts first and then asks questions. Um, but yeah, watching him with Huey is just really fascinating. And yeah, Carl Urban is just, he is fantastic. I mean, he's just one of the best. Um, he's just great to watch. And yeah. And so let's talk about Huey a little bit because I think their dynamic is so interesting. And Huey to me is, you know, kind of like that the innocent little child kind of just tossed into this. Um, so what are your thoughts on Huey, Judy? Uh, before I talk about Huey, I just want to build on what you said about Becca. Um, yeah. Just the, just the whole idea of the, the absolute terror that she has to live through every single day. Um, you know, normally if there's a, you know, if you got a bad baby daddy out there somewhere, the police can maybe help protect you. You've got family. You, you've got somebody who can help, you know, to have a shoulder and or protection. She has nobody at all. It's just her and this child against the most powerful godlike being on earth. Police couldn't help her. This organization, Vought, can't help her. Nothing can help her and hide her from this man. And just, yeah, just the see thinking about that and where she's coming from. That's that's just terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it really is. Yep. So anyway, Huey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm um, glad you added that. Yeah, what an interesting segue. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Huey, I the. The fun thing about Huey is that before all this began, he was a fan. You know, he was a huge fan of the seven and of this all the superheroes. He collected the he had the the Funko Pops. He had you know, he had it all. He had the posters on the wall. And you know, there's a reason why they say never meet your heroes. Because wow, what it what a terrible eye-opening experience that Huey had to go through was entire worldview um, just came crashing down because not only did he lose his girlfriend but then everything that he had known and been a fan of except for Billy Joel let him down (laughs) Um, 
so once again, he's kind of that viewpoint from the audience uh, that, that we are going in thinking superheroes are great and then really becoming disillusioned. The other thing I like about him is that he is um, he's the canary. You know, he's he's Butcher's canary and and, you know, the whole canary in the coal mine thing where I think I think what they mean and what Butcher means when he keeps saying that is that as long as he still has Huey around, who has, still has this very um, light of humanity and conscience within him, and as long as Huey keeps talking about that and, and having that, then the, the, this group may not completely lose their humanity. But like the canary in the coal mine, if if Huey loses that, then they all need to look carefully at themselves and realize that, oh, we are we have we have lost what humanity we have and we are maybe as bad as the soups that we are trying to take down ourselves. Yeah. And Tiffany. I'm going to apologize for uh, to your audience, Erin, because they might hear some background noise. Once again, I have okay. a 16 month old <laughs> who's screeching right now. <laughs> Although this is a downtime, <laughs> but uh, totally agree, Judy. Huey is definitely the conscience of the group. Um, he is going to, and you know, it, it's a funny thing because although he seems to be a bit um, reticent at times and shy. And um, really kind of uh, non-confrontational. At times he can be very, very, not aggressive, that's not the right word, but very forceful when they're doing something wrong and when he knows it's wrong and when he knows there's another way to go about things, um, especially when they get Annie on their side to helping them, um, of course, Mother's Milk says that's a horrible idea. <laughs> and I think that's because Mother's Milk is probably more of a, you know, just a rational realist uh, and has a very like logistical mind. But you know, that's that's for a future discussion. Um, but poor Huey, he's just like this little baby duck. <laughs> you just want to just want to shelter him a little bit. Just, just shelter from the storm. When he sits, like Aaron, you mentioned it, when he's sitting in the whale carcass and he's like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to hang out here and I'm just not going to move right now. He's like, you all go ahead. <laughs> it just tells you like, I mean, he's just, I think he gets to the point where he's almost just fed up with everything. Yeah. I think he got to the point where he just doesn't want to, um, he just doesn't want to do it anymore. But he has to have mother's milk almost like blackmail him into continuing on. <laughs> so poor little Huey. Poor little <laughs> Huey. It's just, I just feel so badly for him. I do. I mean, from the horror of of losing your first girlfriend like that, uh, I still remember it. It's just, uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I really like him. And I love the fact that he loves Billy Joel. That's, that's yeah. just awesome. That's awesome. He's such a fan and I'm such a fan of Billy Joel. So it's great to see. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably one of my favorite things. That's probably my favorite thing actually about him. <laughs> he loves Billy Joel. Um, but yeah, he's, he's the moral compass, I think of the show of the whole show. And he struggles so much with um, the moral dilemma of some of the things that he is asked to do or the situations he's finding himself in. 
um, it's like he had his whole world just completely turned upside down. And not just because of how brutally killed his girlfriend was right in front of him, but the fact that, like you said, Judy, he idolized these people. You know, he was a fanboy. Um, and it's like, you know, we all know what it's like to fangirl over things and to, you know, to to just love that fandom and to love fandom things. And whenever it lets you down, you know, in any way, I mean, this is a severe, severe way, of course, a very extreme way to be let down. But, you know, I mean, we even touched a little bit on about it on our Me Too episode when you're a fan of somebody or something and then they turn it turns out to be bad or wrong or somebody involved in it turns out to be bad and horrible. That's such a hard thing to deal with. Um, and I and, you know, that's what you were seeing with him. And it was such a personal way. You know, it was basically just things he idolized taking away as people he idolized taking away somebody he loved so much and turning his whole world upside down. Ever since that happened, his whole world has just been in shambles. And, you know, along comes this guy, Billy, who's just like, you know, you know, like I said, he doesn't ask questions. He acts first and he doesn't really, his moral compass is all over the place, you know? Um, And so trying to navigate that relationship, that friendship and all these other people he meets and this, uh, this just learning how everything he thought was real isn't real, you know, kind of like with Starlight, but in a different way. Um, cause he's, you know, he's like a little kid kind of, he's like that, like, you know, he's just that innocent little boy. Um, I think that, um, Jack Quaid, I just want to mention him quickly because he really has that. I love Dennis Quaid. I'm a huge Dennis Quaid fan and I was, and I've been a, big Meg Ryan fan for years. I loved her a lot, you know, with all the romantic comedies that she was in. And he's so, he looks so much like his dad in a lot of ways, you know, he's got that Quaid look about him. And, um, you know, what I mean by that is like, they, he's got that boy next door, but he's also got this edge to him that you see. And even though he's so, he's the moral compass and he's kind of innocent, there is that edge. Um, and it really comes out when he sees stuff that's going on that he's just gets fed up. Like when he sits in that whale carcass, it's because he's just fed up with everything. He's like, I'm getting fed up with getting dragged around and doing this. He never got a chance to mourn his girlfriend. Really. He never, ever really got that chance. He never got a chance to mourn his whole world being turned upside down. He's just been thrown into this very, 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 you know, violent world, this very world where, you know, he has to do things that he probably feels, um, are morally wrong and, um, he feels compromised and yeah. And he's fearful. He's afraid. He's scared. He's so scared. You can see that all the time with him. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I think he's an interesting character. Um, and I think Jack Quaid is just, I think that's perfect casting. Um, I, you know, I honestly think the only other person that could play that character is Colin Hanks. So another, <laughs> another person that's the son of, of a famous guy. So, yeah, I don't know. They kind of have the same kind of energy to me, but, uh, but yeah. He's Very really similar cool. energy. You're correct. Yeah. Now, am I remembering this correctly when in season one, wasn't he, wasn't he the one who actually flipped the, well, not flipped the switch, but pressed the button for translucent? When Frenchie yeah. <laughs> put the bomb in or the, the dynamite in yeah. translucent. Okay. Yeah, so we did. know he's, yeah. So 
totally right when you said he has some edge because somebody who was edgeless would have would not have done that. Yeah. Would just not have um, actually, you know, struck the match or mm-hmm. flipped that switch. There's no way. But so he has some edge. You're correct. And I think he's still dealing with that, though, with the fallout from that and realizing that he could do that. You know, yeah. Yeah. His look after he did that, the look on his face. Um, of course, there's a lot of blood on his face, too. But the look on his face was pretty, pretty, pretty priceless. But yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, let's get into um, Mother's Milk, because I think Mother's Milk is a, is a really great character, too. And I really, really want to talk about him. Um, so what are your thoughts on Mother's Milk, Judy? He is my favorite of the boys. I just love him. <laughs> um, I, this poor guy. Oh, my gosh. You know, he's tried to get out of this world to do some good. He was some kind of counselor to youth or I'm not sure exactly what he was doing but he looked like he was doing good you know he's a dad he's a a father a husband um and he's just lost it all and he lost his father of course to the to this whole thing but uh yeah I just I just love him to death I think he's a great character and I want I want more of his backstory he's he's interesting to me um, but like he's he's fun to watch because he's so nuanced. Like he's in the middle of this violence, and he's got this strategic mind, and he's you know planning all these terrible things. But meanwhile, building a beautiful dollhouse for his his daughter, and and watching Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like that was I just, awesome. I know. I just love him to death. So yeah, I, I, I just want him to be able to get his wife and daughter back. <laughs> yeah. Tiffany. I really like, I love Laz Alonzo as an actor. He's such a great actor. I've liked him since Miracle at St. Anna, uh, Spike Lee's joint. Um, he, and I, I love, love, love the fact that Annie mentions his OCD in season two because with the uh you know the incessant white hand wipes and the um the purell <laughs> he mentions he's like get the ish with the aloe <laughs> and that cracked me up because that's me that is so me <laughs> i'm like I'm me and mother's milk are one in the same <laughs> um he's got like i mean he does he's got this very rational, very tactical mind where he can plan out all of their um, actions and adventures like seven or eight steps ahead of, of where everybody else is. But he can have other interests and other hobbies and things that he knows his daughter is going to love and and be um, a good spouse when he's there, obviously, to his wife. And it's such a hard thing for him not to be able to be there with them. And you can tell uh, he gets irritated with with Huey and with Annie singing in the car. He's like, uh, this is not a, you know, this is not a road trip. What are you all doing? But he turns it off and he's so exasperated. And it's such a, uh, like an older brother vibe, yeah. <laughs> like a, a really older brother uh, just getting annoyed with their siblings <clears throat> about something. Uh, I think the character, I, I agree with you, Judy. I need more. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. 
give me like some back scenes, uh, flashbacks with him as a young kid with his dad, uh, show what his dad was doing to take down whatever he was taking down before to take down Vought. Uh, give me that. Give me more and more and more because the character is just too interesting to to only see in the present. Give me some of the past also. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you have said, uh, with everything both of you have said. Um, yeah, he's he's really, I, I, he's, and not just because he's a father, but because of his, um, the way he is, he's almost like a father of the group. He's also the one who's kind of gets, who gets, he gets exasperated with Billy too, because he knows how important this mission is and he knows how important it is to him to get, he wants to be with his family and he wants to be a father and he wants to be a husband. Um, and that's a top priority to him. And this is a way to get to that, to be able to be that family guy again. And when people just mess it up or, you know, take time out to have a, you know, sing along in the car to Billy Joel, it's, exasperating to him because it's like come on this is important and he wants everybody to realize how important this is and how strategic they need to be and um how smart they need to be about this and how they can't just completely run on just emotion um that they have to use logic and sense Um, but he's very emotional he's a very emotional character you can see that um you can see that he's got a really a really deep heart i think he's the heart of the boys um, cause I think on the surface people might say Huey is, but I think he is, um, you know, and, and others might even argue that Frenchie is, but I think he is, I think he's the heart of, of the boys. Um, and you know, watching him watch, watch Outlander, which even though I've only seen one episode of Outlander, I still, still knew it was Outlander probably from our episode, <laughs> but I thought that was great. Um, you know, I, yeah, his, his OCD stuff, having that being acknowledged, um, yeah, he's just he's just so interesting, and I agree. I want to get more of his backstory. Um, I want just more of him all the time. I feel like we're getting more of him in this season, and I just want to keep seeing more and more and more of him because he's so interesting. And and I and yeah, I agree. I love the performance. Like I said, I think pretty much almost everybody in this is so so good, and I agree. He's 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 so great as as Mother's Milk and. I just think the character name in general is a really great name. I just want to say that. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's great. I love him. Speaking um, of needing backstory, where did that come from? I want to know. Yeah, I know. I know. I'd like to know, too. I'd like to know, too. Hopefully we'll find that out. Hopefully we'll find that out, yeah, because it'd be very interesting to know that. Um, well, let's talk about when there's Frenchie. Uh, what are your thoughts on Frenchie, Judy? Um, yeah, so Frenchie is now talk about a guy who we need a backstory on. Mm-hmm. Like, who is this <laughs> weapons expert, drug addict, sweetheart? Like, I, he's the one we really, really need some backstory on. Yeah, he's just he's just so much fun when he's on on camera, or I, I he's just. A very entertaining character and another one that I want to know a lot more about. And um, his little uh, wannabe romance, whatever thing he's got going on there with Kimiko. I mean, he's so sweet to her and he's trying so hard um, that, you know, it's like it's nice to see 
that human side of him and and how uh like he can be empathetic and kind and everything but boy that's that's a struggle it's not going anywhere <laughs> i don't know i don't know i'll be in, uh, interested to see what happens with those two she's she's not not giving him much <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um and your thoughts on frenchie so sweet he's such a sweet guy he you can tell he really does care about Kamiko and her well-being um which tells you there's I mean there's layers to this guy he is this like tactical weapons expert he's like a drug runner (laughs) and a a gun runner (laughs) and it's um and he's a you know obviously he's also a junkie so he's he's um and I think the drug use is probably him self-medicating. Um, he's got a lot of, Frenchie obviously has some deep-seated issues that the show hasn't explored yet. And like Judy said, I really, really want to find out what those deep-seated issues are. But you can tell how much care he has for Kamiko in trying to make her comfortable anytime they are in any type of situation together. He's always looking out for her own, for her well-being. Um the way he calls her, you know, Monka, <laughs> my heart. I think that's so sweet. Um, it, he's an interesting dude. He really is. He's an interesting guy. So I'm really interested to see more of of where Frenchie comes from. You know, let's find out how did he obtain all of this weapons knowledge and then how is he still getting this? I mean, they're on the run. So how is he still having this network <laughs> of uh, of drugs, <laughs> weapons? I want to know. Give me the tea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 very interesting. Very interesting character. Um, I love watching him. Um, he's his expressions, his face, his the emotions on his face, and that that goes to Tomer's Tomer. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Capone, Capone, or Cap- I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But um, his performance is is really good. You can see uh, so many layers, um, and he just really, to me, he's a character that so badly just wants love and to be loved and to feel a sense of peace. Um, and I'd like to know where that comes from a little bit more of where that comes from, um, and watching him with Kamiko is just so interesting and we're going to talk about her in just a second here um but yeah watching their interactions and watching how desperately he wants to connect with her um and he wants to be a part of her life and he wants to know more about her and he's very protective of her and you know for very understandable reasons she you know is keeping him at a distance Um, and you can see how painful and hard that is for him because he just, he just instantly, I think it was like one of those, um, if this was a romantic comedy, it would have been like a love at first sight kind of thing for him with her. I mean, he really just instantly loved her and was, and, um, was just so enthralled with her. And so I just, it'll be just really interesting to see where that relationship goes. And then also just see if we get to see any of his, more of his backstory. Um, yeah, he's, he's the very, very interesting character. And once again, a, a great performance. So, and so let's talk about Kamiko, who's also known as the female. Um, and Kamiko um, is, is a soup. I mean, she does have the superpowers, but 
you know, when we meet her, she's, she's basically been, um, used, abused, tortured, just horrible stuff. Um, as, and so we don't, we don't, you know, she's a very mysterious character, but I want to get, um, your thoughts on her, Judy. Yeah. She's just a heartbreaking character. Like you said, used and abused, um, lived in some camp, which we don't have that full story exactly, um, but had nobody but her brother because her parents were killed. She can't communicate with anybody but her brother, and now she's lost him too. She had to watch Stormfront break his neck, Um, and even he kind of rejected her, and yeah, she just, she's just so alone and so broken. Um, again, if for anybody that hasn't watched it, you've so many spoilers here, but, <laughs> um, she's, she's mute and she doesn't even, um, the sign language that she made up for herself, it was between her and her brother. So literally she doesn't even use a known form of, of sign language. She, the only way she can communicate was with her brother it was the only person she could communicate with. Um, and she's just so alone and so broken and so, um, hurt. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. She's, she's just such a heartbreaking character. Um, I hope that, that she and Frenchie figure out a way to communicate because she needs that so much. Not that he he actually I think he does too. He's got this vulnerability, um, but yeah, she's she's she needs somebody. Yeah. So yeah, she needs she needs something nice in her life, you know. She and I know, does. and I know this show is so rough and hard anyway. But she she deserves something beautiful in her life I think I think of all the characters she deserves something beautiful more than anybody else frankly um what are your thoughts on her Tiffany it's I thought it was really interesting when they brought her her brother in into season two and we see like Judy said him rejecting her it's like he sipped the kool-aid from wherever camp they were in and it sounds I mean to me it sounds like a concentration camp um and it sounds like he really decided that he was going to play ball for their team. Whereas Kamiko understood, Hey, these folks, the, you know, the people of the shining light, the people of the guiding light, whatever the cult was called, uh, that had them in the camp. These people killed our parents. They tortured us. Why on earth would you ever want to be aligned with them? So she's retained like her sense. She hasn't, fallen under like this Stockholm syndrome that her brother did. Uh, And I think that's 100% because she got away because she was, um, she was able to get away from them. Had she not, I think it would have, she would have been like her brother and doing whatever she was doing for the, for that cult. Um, I want her to have the ability to communicate now that her brother is not there anymore. Uh, I want her to have that ability. So they've got to figure out a way for her to to do that, not just with eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. but find a a form of communication, even if it's just with Frenchie, because I think she does recognize, even if it's not a romantic thing, I think she does recognize that this guy is in her corner, that he wants her to be comfortable, 
that he wants her to be happy and that he he cares for her incredibly deeply. So I uh, I hope the show going forward does give her that method of communication. Not to mention, so we know what she yeah. is also what she's also you know as a, from the audience viewpoint, we can't necessarily. And the actress does a great job with her you know with her face. <clears throat> in uh, showing fear because you could totally see the fear on her face when Stormfront snaps her brother's wrists and then snaps her neck. You can totally see that. Um, but I want more. <laughs> but I want more. I want more, not just the body language. Give me a, um, give me a, a, a sign language that can be put onto c- close captioning for me <laughs> so I know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I I want to I want to see that. And I'm I'm hoping that happens this season and if it doesn't happen this season, I'm hoping it happens in the third season. Um because yeah, she's like I said, I think she deserves some form of happiness so much. She deserves just a moment of peace. She deserves a moment where she is um able to let down her guard a little bit and let someone in. And I think that someone would be Frenchy automatically. I think that would be the person. So I think it'd be interesting if she could somehow um, develop a relationship, a, a relation, a language with him um, and somehow teach him her language and have them communicate on a deeper, an even deeper level. Uh, because I think Frenchy does see her. I don't think he sees all of her because she won't let him, um, you know, which is totally understandable. Um, and by the way, that the name of that the uh, that cult was the Shining Light Liberation Army. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what what they put her through and what she went through—that's so much trauma. So much trauma on top of a person who who has is who's also dealing with this fact that she has these powers where she can kill someone in a in the snap of a finger basically you know she has so much power and how does she yield that and ha- when it's been used against her and when it's been used as a weapon and when her brother you know fell victim to that and be- and you know um had like you said the stockholm syndrome and um and then having to watch her brother be brutally murdered by by um by stormfront is just just another 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 you know blow to her another wound she's been through so much she's like a walking wound that's really what she is um and i just hope she finds some healing and i hope she does find a way to communicate um i don't necessarily think they should yet have have her speak i don't think they should do that um, I just want them to find another way for her to have a language and to have somebody else to communicate with because now that her brother's gone, she has no one. Um, and so I want her to be able to find that way. And I do want her to find it with Frenchie. You know, I do. I mean, I don't really think of this show as too much of a show where you ship too many people, but I ship them. I think they'd be a great couple together. Um, I think they have really good chemistry. And yeah, yeah. So I, I really will be curious to see where they take her character and where they take that relationship, um, especially now, especially after she had to see her brother so brutally murdered um, in that way. So yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. And especially him being murdered after, you know, they have a fall after he basically has, you know, he's turned his back on her too. Um, you know, that's a lot to deal with too. So, yeah, I, th- I think she also has some guilt in there, too. So, um, yeah, it'll, 
It'll be interesting. But like I said, I just want her to have a little bit of happiness, please. Just a little bit of happiness for her. Um, well, let's. I just want to go around quickly and just see if there's anything else anyone wants to add about season two. Um, thoughts on that or any other thoughts that you have on the boys um, really quickly. And then we'll, we'll close out. Judy, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, well, yeah. One of the great points about this show is that the irony of Amazon <laughs> putting on a show. Um, Amazon is the richest, most powerful <laughs> company in the world, and it True. produces a show about a big, evil, corrupt corporation. Um, <laughs> you know, Amazon's like notorious for treating its employees terribly, and uh, it just, it just, the irony cannot be <laughs> missed on that one. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, to kind of go back to what we talked about in the very beginning, you know, that just the, the sharpness of the satire of the show, it really hits hard. And I know this is a little bit of a spoiler for, for episode five, but I've got to talk about, um, Maeve and, uh, Elaine when, um, Elaine brings up the point to, Vought and their, you know, PR team that, that Maeve is by and they immediately shoot down. They're like, no, um, we're not going to sell it. We're not going to sell that as by, we need to sell her as a lesbian. It's a little bit more marketable to the, to the American audience. People love it when, you know, uh, gay couples have a, a stereotype of, you know, one of each kind of gender roles and, the fetishization of a gay relationship and you know just the way they slap a rainbow sticker on it and try to make money off of it. I, I just like felt like that had to be talked about. <laughs> um, it was so important and such a gut punch. Um, that whole scene as, as, as she was watching her, who she was and who her personality, not personality, but her, her sexuality, her relationship become just some, another way to make money for Vought. Um, it was, it was a real gut punch and a real, um, a very sharp piece of satire that shines a big light on, on what we do in this country. Yeah. 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 Yeah, thanks for bringing both of those up. Yeah, and the, the Amazon thing. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Mm -hmm. The irony is never lost on me. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd, I'd be curious. I mean, he won't say it, of course, now, I'm sure. But I'd be curious to know um, if Eric Kripke sees, sees the irony there, too. Uh, <laughs> I'd be curious. How could he I not? Don't, I mean, yeah, even that's if he, true. you know, he's not yeah, going to bite the hand that feeds him. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, Tiffany, do you have anything else you want to add? I need more uh, Giancarlo Esposito because he's an awesome actor. And I really, really like his floor 82 <laughs> head dude in charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because he, I mean, he's got this, you know, whereas Homelander tries to be um, so like sophisticated and so controlled with his anger uh, but it literally ends up like blowing his top off of at pretty much everybody. 
this guy, Giancarlo's uh, character, whose name slips my mind right now, is actually controlled in his anger, controlled in his control <laughs> of everything. Um, I can't wait to see more because I love him in everything. And he's just so slick, so smooth. <laughs> oh, and can we mention, Aaron, for season three already, that announcement that I know you're so excited about. <laughs> and, it sounds, and I know Judy is too. Hello, Jensen Ackles. <laughs> Soldier <Yeah>. boy. <laughs> the, Captain, the Captain America parallel. Oh, Captain God. America parallel. And he's so good at what he does, but I am so excited to see him play somebody besides Dean Winchester. Yeah. I am so stoked over this because I think he's going to do an awesome job. I really know he's going to do an awesome job. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I'm of course. I I was just thrilled when I heard that because I I just I think Jensen Ackles is such a such a great actor, and I was very curious to see what he was going to do after Supernatural. And I also like the fact that I've read up a little bit on on Soldier Boy, but I like the fact that it sounds like he's not going to be playing a a, a good guy, and I kind of like that. Um, I I want to see a different a different side to him. Um, and I do think it's ironic that he's playing, you know, um, a takeoff on, on Captain America because supposedly he was one of the ones that was in the running to play Captain America. Um, so I do think that's really interesting that he's playing that. So I, I'm very, very excited to see what he does with that character and how he's in the show and to see him be able to, you know, um, do a lot of things he couldn't do on Supernatural since that was network television. <laughs> That's another <laughs> thing I'm excited about, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that, that, that'll be really, really, really awesome to see. Um, yeah. And, and I just want to say, I just think this show, um, I really hope it stays the course that it's on. Um, I hope it keeps pushing the envelope, but in a good way. Um, I hope it keeps holding a mirror up to us, especially, I mean, I mean, mainly the United States. Um, I hope it keeps doing that, especially right now. And I'm just really, really happy that we don't have to sit here and wonder if we're going to get a season three. I think it's really awesome that we already know we're getting a season <laughs> three, I have to say. So you don't have to sit Huzzah! there. And, yeah. You don't have to sit there and be on the edge of your seat the whole time being like, okay, are we going to get a renewal here? Um, yeah, and I and um, I will be really curious to see um, if Giancarlo Esposito's character, um, who I was just looking up here to get the name, um, Stan Edgar. I I'll be really curious to see if that cool and calm, collected persona, because I have a feeling it'll crack at some point, and I'll be really curious to see what happens there. Because yeah, he's I mean. He's come on. He's one of the greatest actors around. <laughs> so it'll he's be really everything. Yeah, it'll I'll be really curious to see if, if that breaks and to see how that's handled. So, yeah. So, you know, overall, I think this is one of the best new shows around. Um, I think it's one of the best superhero shows around. Um, I think it's a lot more honest, <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. So I mean, as over the top as it is. I think you stated it perfectly where it does shine a mirror, a bit of a warped mirror, but it does shine yeah. a mirror onto us. And yeah. that's why sometimes it's actually uncomfortable to watch. That's true. Not, yeah. not be, I mean, the violence is, you know, it, it's silly. It's over the top, whatever. 
but it it's the mirror that is the real gut punch and that is the real um cringy uncomfortable piece yeah you watch it and you go oh boy that's way too familiar (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah, I mean, the writing is just, like I said, I just want to, again, praise the writing in mm-hmm. this show because I think the writing is top-notch. And as I said, um, I think 99% of the acting in here is good. I'm sorry, I don't really like Chase Crawford. I'm going to say, I don't know, he bugs me, but um, that's just me. Me either, Aaron. Me oh, good, either. good. Yeah, because that's who I'm talking about when I say that, but um, pretty much. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just excited to see where it goes. And I'm, of course, excited for season three because Jensen Ackles. So that'll be interesting. Okay, well, let's close out and have everybody say where they can be found. Um, Judy? Yep, well, my main fandom presence is um, on Tumblr at Angels Watching Over, all one word. Um, It's almost exclusively supernatural. So if that's not your thing, keep moving. And then Tiffany. You can primarily find me on the Twitter, and that is at who is Tiff is me. That's at W H O I S T I F F I S M E, at who is Tiff is me. And then I also write for the Game of Nerds, and you can find us on all platforms at the Game of Nerds. That's Twitter, that's Facebook, that's Instagram, that's Snapchat, that I don't know about Tumblr. Don't quote me on that. So I'm not going to say Tumblr. <laughs> But, and we're always looking for new writers. So if you like writing about uh, gaming, if you like uh, reviewing television, film, books, whatever floats your boat, please let us know. And as always, I will be linking to that as well in the show notes to Game of Nerds. So, yeah. And you can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Um, if you have any feedback, any show notes, any thoughts on the boys, feel free to email us or reach out to us on social media. But you can email us at It's a Fandom Thing Pod at gmail.com. Please make sure to rate and review us on Apple podcasts uh follow us there follow us on spotify um every time you do that it helps us and i just want to say again thank you to all our new listeners um our listenership is growing a lot recently and i really really appreciate it so thank you and thank you to everyone who's listening and i really just want to say it's really exciting to me that um there are so many different countries that are listening to us that to (laughs) me is so thrilling that it's like 53 percent of our listeners are in the united states and then the rest are all different countries and that to me is just really exciting so i just want to say that really quickly um so thank you to everybody who listens um and on next week's show we are going to start our or on the main show of this week sorry we're going to start our two-parter on true crime and we're going to talk about podcasts um and of course as a heads up i mean as i said last week we're taking a darker turn starting with the boys but um that is going to be a show all about true crime so if that is not your thing don't listen because it'll probably be triggering. I'll just say that up front. And definitely when we talk about true crime docu-series, that could be very triggering. So I want to give you a heads up on that. And then after that, we're going to start our month-long 
horror celebration, which I am so excited about. <laughs> yes, yes, Tiffany will be on a, a few of those. Um, and so we're going to do eight episodes. And I'm just, just really, really excited because that's one of my favorite things in the world. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. And Black Lives Matter. And vote. Thank you.